Reading tonight from the book, from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus, we know, was born in Bethlehem. And then, when he was a young boy, they moved to Egypt and eventually came back to Nazareth, his family's hometown. We, we picture Nazareth as a, a good place, but in fact, Nazareth was a corrupt city. And it's hard to imagine that, that Jesus would grow up in a place that was so ungodly. But in fact, he did. Don't feel bad sometimes if you don't have as much influence as you think you should have in your neighborhood and everybody doesn't get saved there. We want them to. We would encourage our neighbors to look to the Lord, but it doesn't always work out that way. But Jesus grew up there in Nazareth, and uh, at this particular reference, he had been out in the wilderness for some 40 days or nights, had been tempted by Satan. He had resisted the devil steadfast in the faith that he had in his heavenly father. He endured those days in the, in the desert place. He came back to Nazareth and in Nazareth began in a sense or in reality, the beginning of his ministry to preach the gospel to preach the message that ye must be born again. Your life must turn around. He may have even said, you don't want to live like some of the people who live in this city of Nazareth. You want your life to be different. You want your life to be pure and just and holy life. And he opens in this particular text with just the text. He doesn't ad-lib his way into the text, evidently. He was handed the book, or the scroll, as it were, of Isaiah. And he turns to what we find in our Bibles, the 61st chapter of Isaiah. And he reads, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What a profound statement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was reading something that was something like 700 years uh, old had been written that long ago and now he is saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me which was actually referring to him the spirit of the Lord was upon him because 
He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. We even heard tonight that there have been brokenhearted people that have found that God would heal the broken heart. No doubt there are still many today, tonight, who have broken hearts for lots of different reasons, but they are broken at heart, and yet Jesus would come to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Some are in captivity to habits of sin, to something called tobacco, to alcohol, to drugs, and they are bound by these things. It's as if they were in chains every day of their life, and they cannot put it aside. I recall a time when I saw someone just like that, and they were managing to depend on the Lord, I suppose, for maybe 36 hours, but they could not, could not see their way clear to trust God altogether. To trust God is to surrender to the will of God. And the will of God is that we be saved from our sins, that we be set free as captives are set free. We needn't be in captivity when the God of heaven provides all the power in heaven and in earth to set the captive free. Goes on to say, and recovering of sight to the blind. No doubt there was recovery of physically blind people, but also to spiritually blind people. People that are not able to see clearly, could read the Word of God, could memorize the Word of God, in fact, and still be blind to what the Word of God says. Sadly, that happens in all too many cases. But the Word of God is still powerful doesn't change the word of God just because somebody is blind to what it has to say. But the Lord still desires to get to the heart of every single person. To set, to set at liberty them that are bruised. You know, sin has lots of repercussions. Sin wounds the soul. Sin wounds the heart and life. Uh, who lives with it? Sin wounds families. Sin hurts and it leaves scars. It leaves wounds. It leaves bruises to the life. But he says to set at liberty them that are bruised. Even with all of that, Jesus can bring liberty uh, to the soul that is bruised and hurt and destroyed by sin and make them whole. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I believe that was probably referring primarily to the Jewish people at that time. But it can, it can approach us as well. What day is not an acceptable day to the Lord for a person to find God? Every day and any day. God can reach out to the whosoever will today, tonight, and say, this is your acceptable time. This is the time appointed for you. Do not ignore it, but listen to the Spirit of God speak to your heart and say, okay, I surrender. I give up. <laughs> Let the fight be over because I want peace with God. And that's what we all want 
for our friends and loved ones, neighbors, each and every one of them. We want them to know the Lord, to really know the Lord. Before we conclude tonight, I wanted to look at a couple other verses found in 2 Corinthians. About this time in our church services, we we like to lead to a place where we have a time to pray. We still do that in our homes, and we we have a time, we know that the conclusion of the service is coming, and so it's a time where we can have our time for prayer, so that we kind of like being at church. It's much nicer being at church. But it's, it's, we, can, we can put ourselves in the church, in our, in our mind's eye. We can close our eyes and say, I've been to church and now it's time to pray. And so we begin to think about, what shall we pray about? Who shall we pray for? The Apostle Paul was one of those people who no doubt people prayed for him. He was not doing right by the word of God, but he was visible to a lot of people going about his ideas that he had learned, probably thought his idea was right. That's the problem so often when it comes to a place of, of becoming, to the place where one might be saved because my idea is right. How could anybody else's idea be right? Because I'm right, everybody else is wrong. That doesn't work very well, does it? And in Second Corinthians, the 12th chapter, the Apostle Paul is, is, is writing here and he's quoting something that Jesus had said. He said unto me, this is what Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for thee. That's what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul. And then he says, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. That seems hard to, to take in for a minute. Jesus is the Son of God. And he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. When Jesus had gone off for that 40-some days and was tempted of the devil, he was weak. He was, he was, he was wore out. He was, he was down. He was physically worn. And yet, he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes we have to become so weak, so incapable of helping ourselves that we're more in a mood to surrender to God's plan, more willing to surrender to the will of God. We are weak. As soon as we begin to get high-minded about things, get the, the big head about whatever, we, we, don't, we don't go very far that way. But we can go a long way if we will recognize the fact that we are weak, but he is strong. We are weak in, in lots of different ways. I, I happen to look up what weak is defined in, in, in the dictionary. And I realized, I'm not going to try and tell you what weak says in the dictionary. There's just all kinds of ideas about what weak is. So we'll have to go by what you think weak is, I guess. What do you think weak is? What is weak for you? Is it because you don't have muscles or something? Or is it because it's, it's hard to do certain things? You, you, you know what happens sometimes if we're too weak to do something? 
we ask somebody for help. We say, I can't lift this thing up by myself. I'm too weak to lift it by myself. So we go out and we get some friends that are stronger than we are. And they help us lift it up because we're not strong enough to lift it up. That's the way it is when we come to the Lord as sinners. We are very, very weak at that point. We can't lift ourselves up. We must only do one thing that we can do, and that is to surrender to the God who has all power in heaven and in earth, and He can lift us up. He can, He can heal our broken heart. He can set the captive free. He can make such a difference in your life that you go away a new creature in Christ Jesus. What could be better than that? You know, as kids, some of us grew up going to church, and uh, I think the church I went to, us boys, we'd been confirmed. You know, you get confirmed in that particular denomination, and that went on for two long years. Then they make you sit right down in front of the church. You sit in the front pews. We sat there, the preacher's up there, you know, and you're down there. And you get home from church and your dad asks you, what did the preacher say? What did you learn today in church? And you hope you remembered. Sometimes we actually took notes. We sat there in front of the church for probably two years, as I remember. But you know what? Once we finally got confirmed, you know where we, we sat? In the back row of the balcony. Isn't that strange? We wanted to get as far. I don't know why that is. I've looked back and I thought, why do we want to get so far away? Maybe, maybe it was an underlying condition that we think we're getting farther away from, from God and from what He's trying to say to us and that we are unwilling to bend our, our soul to the, to the living God that He might change our lives, make some of us, who knows, we might even become preachers. Wouldn't that be something? My strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, when you recognize how weak you really are, that's when God can begin to actually work on your heart. You have to recognize it. You have to, to realize it. He says, beyond that, he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I, I rather glory in my infirmities. This was Paul was saying this. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now we're getting somewhere. Therefore, I take pleasure. I take pleasure in infirmities. When you get sick, do you say, this is great. I'm glad I'm sick and stay home from school. That's no problem. You can stay home from school anyway, but the, I, I don't take, you don't take pleasure in infirmities, do you? If, if you get sick, maybe this is a different kind of infirmity. Take pleasure in infirmities. This was relationship to the Lord, really, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Because the Apostle Paul had now changed sides. He'd come over on the Lord's side. He wasn't in friendship with the bad guys anymore. He was the enemy. But he was bringing Christ to the people all round and about where God sent him to go. He was an evangelist for this same Jesus whom he had denied. So he could take pleasure in all these kind of rough places, didn't he? But then at the end of that verse, he says, 
For when I am weak, then am I strong. The Apostle Paul had finally come to the realization that he was beyond hope, beyond help. He was too weak to turn to God on his own. God had to help him turn toward himself, and he did. He turned the Apostle Paul around. The Apostle Paul is no exception. Every single one of us at one point in time, maybe even beyond one point in time, maybe today, have found yourself brokenhearted. You're just burdened about everything. You wake up in the morning and say, is this another day like yesterday? I'm just so tired of it. And yet, if I am weak, I can lean on the Lord. If I am helpless, I can call on the God who sends help. I can trust Him. Tonight, we're in a place, some of us here are actually in church. Isn't that nice? It's great, actually. It's better than nice. It's wonderful to come to church. We have to admit it, don't we? We have to admit it that we are weak. Admit that you're weak. And that's a good place to find yourself surrendered for the Lord to give you strength. He will bring the victory. He will provide the strength in your homes, in church, out of church, wherever you find yourself. God is able to provide the strength you need in times of weakness. We're going to have time here in church to pray. We're going to stand and sing a song, 596. And then we're going to praise God in song. And we're going to praise God in prayer as we seek the Lord tonight around the altars of prayer.